This talk is given by Vanessa Zvise Goddard, a writer and lay Zen teacher based in New York City. This talk, like all of Zvise's talks, is offered freely. If you'd like to make a donation, find out more about Zvise's teachings, or sign up for her newsletter, please visit her website at vanessasvisegoddard.org. Thanks for listening. The sixth realization is the awareness that poverty creates hatred and anger, which creates a vicious cycle of negative thoughts and actions. And the commentary is really talking about generosity and about kind of equanimity, you know, really seeing um, all beings, regarding them equally, regardless of what they have done, regardless of their actions. But I wanted to um, talk about this differently because I realized that I haven't really spoken very much at all about um, just what has happened, you know, this past year in terms of the pandemic and the effect that it's had on us and that it continues to have and probably will have, you know, for some time and the different ways that we're relating to one another and the effects that, that this has had on us. So I think I did mention at some point, listening to, um, reading, sorry, some, some articles in the New York Times that actually I felt um, a little uh, vindicated. <coughs> because they were talking about, you know, just, just people, um, they were doing interviews with all sorts of people and their experience of, of moving through the pandemic and people speaking of just sitting there staring at the wall, right? Or staring out the window, you know, for, for an hour or two, or just this sense of, of listlessness and, uh, or, or uh, one article called it languishing, which is not, you know, it's not um, laziness and it's not depression exactly, but it's just this sense of really needing to um, kind of rile yourself up, you know, and, and um, I was speaking to my roommate earlier and she was saying how she, uh, she's finding it difficult right now to find enthusiasm in her job, which she normally really loves and, and feels very dedicated to. And, you know, part of it is just the hours on, on Zoom and this, this, um, and the repetition of it, which you know, I've I've talked about it um, with you in terms of even this 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 gathering and and the talks and stuff. It's I have found it challenging. I have found it challenging, you know, to not not to stay engaged with you, but but um, there is so much, you know, there is so much that you can be uh, engaging, and then do you? after spending all day already on Zoom for work, those of us who, who are doing that. And so, um, you know, the, the third realization, if, if you remember said, the human mind is always searching outside itself and never feels fulfilled. And so I was thinking of that and I was thinking of this, this awareness of, of poverty and, and a mind that feels impoverished. Um, a heart that feels impoverished. And we've talked about it in terms of approaching life from a sense of abundance as, as opposed to a sense of lack. So I didn't want to 
uh, repeat, you know, the, the, that particular teaching. Um, but, but more this sense of, of feeling of this languishing or feeling depleted or feeling, um, well, it gets depleted, you know, I mean, I've even wondered personally, you know, would I be feeling the way I'm feeling physically, you know, the, the, the things that I've been struggling with, if it wasn't the pandemic, you know, what, what would be different? And so, so that's what I wanted to, to, to touch on and, you know, and think about things like procrastination, you know, that, you know, I think all of us have done at some point, but, but, um, and I'm, I'm not a procrastinator, but I really um, have had to work with it, you know, during this time. Uh, and again, this, this, this sense of really needing to, to um, um, rouse my enthusiasm for stuff that I normally love to do. So, and I'm keeping this intentionally vague. I mean, I have some notes, but I, I wanted to, to hear from you, you know, just what your experience has been, you know, have you struggled? And if you haven't struggled, great, please let us know, <laughs> share so that, that we can benefit from that too. But um, these are some of the things that I've, that I've been thinking of these last few days. So, so let, me, let me leave it there. Let me, let me just see if you have anything to say, and if not, then <laughs> I'll, I'll plow ahead. No, I won't plow ahead. I'll, I'll just move ahead. <laughs> I don't have the energy to plow anymore. <clears throat> Liz. Hello. Um, I, I've, been one of the luckier people I think that I've been able to work in person for most of the pandemic being a physical therapist um, never had to close I, I, I did I actually that's not true I did close and work online for about a month a year ago um, but um, how did you work online uh, I did, um, you know, I do a lot of body mechanics training and exercise with people. So um, at the time I closed, I had been exposed, but I had been in an, an N95 mask, so I didn't get it. But um, I still closed my shop for a couple of weeks and uh, I kept uh, about five patients who were post-surgical or just needed more help. And I knew, I knew they needed to keep seeing someone. So um, we zoomed, you know, we would, it wasn't zoom. It was a different app, but, um, you know, it did work out. Um, uh, anyway, but I, but, uh, and I do feel, you know, for my son who was senior in high school, when everything hit, he was very isolated. Luckily he was taking college courses. So he, he had, he had a lot to do online. Um, kept him active, but I, I do see, and then his whole first year of college has been, you know, he went to school, but it was so different. You know, he, he's really feeling, he's just kind of coming out of it. I feel like he's finally experiencing um, just getting to hang out with people, you know, like, like I did in high school, my senior year was 
a little more relaxed, but it, you know, it's so, it's, it's so strange for him. He's telling me he wants to see a psychologist because he's just, I don't know. It's like, he's, I, I don't know. He's, he's having a lot of self doubt type of things, you know, and I'm giving him books on Buddhism, but <laughs> anyway, uh, and, but I do see it was much harder for him being in isolation than it was for me. Um, being able to go out and, and I do see a shift now in the last month, you know, since, uh, since maybe mid April that with so many people vaccinated in New York, there's a real shift and it's wonderful. And people, and I, I could see people just starting to, you know, I'm still in a mask at work being a healthcare worker, but, um, things are lightening up uh, here. And it, 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 I do think it's because of the vaccine. I have a handful of people who aren't vaccinated and we have these discussions, but I'm, I try to be really respectful about where they're coming from because there are gonna be those people with whatever health conditions they have where they, they can't get vaccinated. Um, anyway, so I think we're coming out of it really, I do, in New York at least, I don't know. Um, but it, it has been quite a year. Yes, Brian. Um, I think I learned learned um, a, a lot about myself through the through this this time, and you know, even maybe like. Uh, as the last year and a few months kind of progressed, you know, maybe even thought some things and then had to question them and had to rethink them. And, and, um, and, and I, I did kind of feel like I approached this time and, you know, as, as a, as a time to do that a time of self-reflection. Um, but the most interesting thing right now, thinking about, this and, and sort of responding to your questions, we say, is that the last, for the last little bit, for the last few months, I've been really sort of um, focused on death. And, and I think there's probably a few reasons why, and some of that, you know, has to do with um, my mother's, um, I've mentioned my mom's uh, situation a, a few times in this group, but my mom is in, you know, um, progressing into dementia, and um, so maybe maybe that has um, something. Although she's very healthy otherwise, so she's not near death, but um, maybe that has something to do with it. But I also, I also, um, the feeling that I have, I have sort of um, taken around death is one of of um, a bit of comfort and almost a bit of comfort is how I would, how I want to say it. But what I'm curious about is maybe the last year and a few months, I've kind of given up a little bit on being vibrant in terms of like living this life because there's been so little that, that we've been able to do. And so if, if sort of it's been, if it's more of like a, kind of a settling. I don't know. I even had a dream the other night in, in which I died. And it was a, it was a situation where I was, um, I was um, drowning. I was in water, underwater, um, in a house, 
that was filling up with water and knew I wasn't getting out. And I kind of, my attitude, my dream was kind of like, all right. And which is an odd attitude to have towards death. It wasn't fear or uh, a nice feeling. It was really just a, all right. So I wish I could be more specific and I wish this, I wish there was something useful in this, but it was right there for me when you asked that question. So I thought I would share. Uh, you used the word, did, did you say, you didn't say, oh, settling. You didn't say release, you said settling. That's, that's very interesting. I can, I can relate to that. Um, <laughs> I was telling my father, poor, poor thing, he was a little worried. I said to him, you know, um, I, I just, I said something like, I don't know if, if it's that I'm just feeling, you know, more confident and I'm just not feeling worried about, you know, my health or work or whatever, or I just don't have the, the, the energy to worry. And he's like, well, that's not, that, that doesn't sound so good. But I, I feel that, I mean, there's, a, there's, um, settling is a good way of, of, of describing it or a release, a, a just kind of, um, I, I, I guess if it's if it borders on resignation, then that might be, be more problematic, right? A, a kind of giving up, which I don't feel, um, though I'll, I'll I'll keep watching it. But it's it's um, a, a kind of like I don't have time to worry about things that aren't really time or energy to worry about things that are actually really crucial. You know, everything, given everything that's going on, I, you know, I can't, I can't be worrying about um, stuff that's, that's, that's not crucial. I don't know that that's even that helpful, but anyway, Jitsuko. Um, hi. Um, so, um, talking about poverty, um, I read or heard, or this might be urban legend, but during um, the time of the Great Depression, that people who were already poor, <laughs> it didn't really, it wasn't so like impactful for them, the depression. <laughs> for instance, on the Navajo Nation, the Navajo Indian Reservation, um, you know, to hear people talk about the depression there, they're like, what depression? Mm. You know, um, and so I think, you know, I think um, depends on where your starting point is. Um, I, I have enjoyed this pandemic so much. I was a waitress at Olive Garden when this started. And then they said, you can't come back to work. And I said, hallelujah. <laughs> I was a waitress at Olive Garden for 10 years, you know, and um, I was just so in the grind. Oh, the grind, the grind. And I had settled for the grind. I barely ever came up above water to breathe because I am a single mom, waitress, pay rent, 
Try not to lose your cool with your kid, blah, blah, blah. Pay rent. You know, it's just like, and I mean, and then people were paying me money from unemployment not to go to work. I mean, I, what I have to say though, I enjoyed, and this goes back, back to the poverty thing is, um, I remember as we say, you had written something about decolonization of the mind. And there was some part when you touched on that during the pandemic that I really resonated with me. I just remember being on the reservation and you were talking about decolonization of time and um, being on the reservation. And this is like no cell phones. Like people are, um, I think we talked about this a little bit one other time too. Like, you know, it's just sort of like, um, what's that word when like things are not efficient, (laughs) inefficient, I guess. Um, There's a better word for it, but like. Bureaucracy. Yeah, but it's like inefficient. Like when we're, we, it was that bureaucracy discussion. You're right. But yeah, it's like inefficient and, um, just standing in line at the, on the reservation, like waiting for the, um, there's one line and one cashier, you know, and we're all just like standing there waiting. And like, we literally have nowhere else to go. Like, you know, (laughs) there's no big rush. And I just felt that way here in New York city. I never thought I could have the reservation experience here in New York city. But I just remember like standing in line, like waiting for the uh, post office. There was a huge line. I stood in line for an hour just to get in the post office, like to buy a stamp, like just some ridiculous task. You know, I spent hours like doing it and just nobody else had anywhere else to go. Like to me, I just don't. I don't stay home and just zoom with people. I feel like I just, that sense of poverty has been very good. And I think it's been very good for people to have to pare down their world and not have anywhere else to go or anything else to do. I've rearranged my apartment so much. That's how I survived the pandemic. I rearranged it every, like every week or two. I just rearranged it. Like, Anyhow, I finally found the perfect furniture arrangement for my apartment. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, whatever helps, right? I, I, I posted this photo on, on social media, this, this house in Mexico that I was struck by when I saw it in, in, uh, in October. It's, you know, modern. And uh, it's a particular style of, of architecture. It's very big walls, just very plain, very big walls. And every wall was painted, you know, it was like primary colors, bright blue, bright yellow, bright red. And I mean, it was, it was a, a, more or less, you know, it was an attractive house. And then when I went this time, they had painted the whole thing lilac, lilac. <laughs> and I thought to myself, okay, this is what they're doing, you know, to get through the pandemic. So, um, Jess. The pandemic has been very humbling for me in a lot of ways because I think I would I would have assumed that my experience would be like Jitsuko's, 
because I, by, by nature, I kind of enjoy my own company and find other people sort of bothersome, like, you know, but, um, but it hasn't been that way at all. And um, I really have had it <laughs> basically with the, the particular type of poverty of human interaction um, that, that the pandemic has presented in my life. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful for this Sangha, like I'm so grateful. And I'm also feeling really like I, I want to sit with people in person. And um, I had the experience of walking, you know, when I moved to North Oakland a year and a half ago, um, I was like, oh, the Berkeley Zen Center is right there. We got Buddhists over here. I was like, I'm going to be all Sangha out. It's going to be amazing. And, you know, it's like a 10 minute walk from my apartment. And I've been there zero, total of zero times, of course. And um, the other day I was walking down the street and not really thinking too much about where I was going, just kind of walking around. And there was a house and it had tons of free furniture in front of it. And this, I like free things. So I was looking at them and this man opened the door and he said, please take anything that you want. And I looked at his face and I said, I know this man, who is this man? And then he closed the door and I was like, this is, and then I backed up and I was like, this is the Berkeley Zen Center. That's the Abbot. I know his face from the website. And I wanted to like throw myself on his steps and be like, please open the Zendo. We want to sit. So it's been, I have def, it's been very humbling in terms of meeting my own limit of um, a lack of in-person interaction, which I met very quickly, but more profoundly, perhaps for me, it's been very humbling to see how long it's taken me and how many times I've had to remind myself that I'm not the only one having this experience. It's like the most ridiculous thing to have to constantly remind myself of the lack of specialness of my <laughs> life and situation. Um, it took me a very long time to, to realize that. And then I forget it over and over and over again that, that not everybody's having obviously the same experience, but many people are. And my, my current <laughs> practice of working with that is always trying to use those moments of feelings of isolation or suffering or loneliness to remind myself of all of, of the, the, that other people's experience of that and my experience of that as being separate is an illusion. Um, and how many opportunities for that practice I have recently, but I mean, very humbling to see how I forget constantly, constantly. It's like an everyday reminder that I'm not the only one. <laughs> so silly. Yeah. And, and I don't, I actually, I mean, I don't think it's silly. I think it's, um, I mean, I think it's, it's human, you know, Annalise and I were talking cause she, um, is, you know, she helps me, she puts together these little videos and stuff for, for social media and ads and stuff. And, um, she was asking me just to do a little, uh, you know, voiceover, a little audio for, for the workshop. And, um, and, and, and so she asked me a couple of questions and, and one of them, and you probably saw this in the newsletter, but one of them said, you know, do, do Buddhists get lonely? 
And, um, you know, when I was thinking back on that John Wellwood quote, which I really liked, you know, if you think of this process as a, as a parallel process of, as he called it, growing up and then waking up, you know, that there is the process of waking up to your, your Buddha nature and waking up to the fact that we do enter our, right? So that, that this sense of isolation is really an illusion. And when you're able to touch, you know, stand on that ground of being, that that's what you feel. But there's still the fact that you're sitting in your apartment, you know, doing Zoom as opposed to, you know, hanging out with friends or, you know, just just feeling your own your own aloneness or your own loneliness in your day to day interactions. And and um, how do you bridge, you know, those two? And I, as I have said many times before, in terms of bridging absolute and relative, it doesn't happen automatically. There is, I find, a process of translation that needs to be done very um, deliberately. And, and that's why, you know, all the skillful means that, that help us, you know, to remember and help us to um, uh, make real or, 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 or remind us of the aliveness of that truth of the impossibility of our of our loneliness, but that it it's it's not an automatic thing because we are such relational beings. I mean, I think that is so so built into us. And and you know, as Jitsuko pointed out, there are some people who have really loved it, you know, and who are not looking forward to to interacting um, as they did or as they felt they had to before. And then for many, many others, you know, the, the real challenge that, that, has, that has posed. So, Nina. Well, I've so resonated with everything that has been said. And um, I, I, I lately as, the weather's been beautiful and we're going out and everything. I've felt a real sense of disorientation. I haven't felt, um, you know, oh, oh my gosh, you know, I'm dying to go to a restaurant or, or you know, to be, I, I have a longing to be in, in, in physical sangha, but the, profound impact, psychological impact of the, of the pandemic on me and my family led to a kind of seclusion that was very beneficial in some ways and also very detrimental. And I, both my son, who's 18, and I had surgery um, during the pandemic. And so I was in a hospital, you know, no one could visit me and I was there for two weeks. And and so I had, you know, Brian was talking about, I had really a very <laughs> real death contemplation um, because it was very, it was serious surgery. And afterwards I really felt, this is gonna sound very paradoxical, but after the surgery, when I came home, I felt this um, liberation of renunciation of, you know, everything was, 
there was there wasn't this distraction of choice. Um, you know, I was I was eating very simply. It was almost like the experience of being a monastic. I think for me, um, and I never had such clarity as during that period about what was distraction, what was hindrance, and I was able to write things, focus. And then, you know, the other, the negative aspects of, of the pandemic, then samsara kind of set in and my little idyllic, you know, kind of spiritual, I suppose, high of renunciation vanished because my son was suffering uh, with this undiagnosed head condition. And it was extremely difficult for him. And like, um, I think Liz said, you know, uh, was talking about her son, um, this, his sense of isolation, having been a senior during the pandemic, you know, graduation on Zoom, and then having to take medical leave and be home with his parents. And psychologically, just, I think emerging from this, I have the sense of that there's some trust Although we, we're, we have a heightened sense of our need for each other and our interdependence, there's also, you know, the, the, the reckoning with race and the tremendously traumatic political events in the U.S. And, and all that combined with, you know, who's vaccinated, who's not. I don't feel that trust is, you know, I, I think it's going to take a long time because we don't know how we changed. We know that we we were all, but we don't, there are people walking around with invisible wounds and mental health issues. And I would include, you know, myself in that. I had suffered from a lot of anxiety. And so I'm going back into the classroom as a teacher. And I'm, I think one of the first things that I would do is to do what you did, so I say, which is to sort of ask people how they experienced it. Because I will be confronted with, you know, people and I don't know like how they went through the war. What did they lose? Did, you know, did they love it? They, I, I just, I, I don't know if that's making any sense, but there's been a kind of disorientation of, you know, oh, we're re-entering, but it's not, normal and I don't want to go back to the level of busyness and distraction that I had. I don't want to consume social media or things as you know frenetically as I was. So I just I, I'm sort of grateful for the discernment that it brought us or this space of seclusion. Anyway, thank you for letting me roam around. But everything everyone said resonated with me, even though they're wildly different aspects. And I think, I think that's really um, important. Um, you know, when we think of some of the, some of the um, tools, if you will, some of the, the upaya to, to navigate any difficult time, but certainly this time, you know, to think of of forgiveness, you know, of self-forgiveness for, for not being as enthusiastic or as, you know, as in your life as at other times. 
you know, when you think of, of having compassion for yourself, which is really having a, a, a greater acceptance for yourself in your present circumstances and kindness, you know, in, 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 um, because, you know, that settling that Brian referred to is, is kind of acknowledging, well, this is the way things are. And this is the way that I am in things at the moment. And so beginning, you know, with, with acceptance and forgiveness, if it's necessary to make space, as I often talk about, for, for what is so that we can actually work with it, we can deal with it skillfully. And that mindfulness or that awareness is, is, is that investigation, you know, that really, really looking and really asking and really questioning what is and, and, and why things are the way they are. You know, there's a practice called retracing where you look at a difficult emotion, let's say, and then you slowly and, and with deliberate awareness, you trace your way back to its source. So if it's anxiety, to, to trace it to what is leading you know, to that anxiety, you know, what kind of thoughts, what kind of emotions, what kind of fears, and to try to get you know, some of the questions that I ask. And it's hard, I, I will say that it's hard to do this in Zoom um, because I, was, you know, I want to give people, everyone a chance to speak, but I like to try to get as specific as possible because so often, um, even when we're looking at ourselves, we, because we think we know ourselves, so because we've lived with ourselves for so long, so much of it is we, we just kind of gloss over. And so for me, part of what is so important um, is, is, is kind of honing in as much as I can into each of these questions, because that is what is actually going to tell me, right, what is going on with me, so that I don't... Um, assume any of it and of course that takes time that takes time and persistence and the willingness to keep asking when uh, an answer doesn't come immediately you know it doesn't come so readily so so i think it's also a process that takes you know that that requires a lot of patience And sometimes, you know, and I've spoken about this um, in the context of liturgy, sometimes just taking action. You know, if you think of motivation, following action, sometimes you may not feel like doing something, but doing it anyway, and, and, and then kind of letting yourself catch up to that, which is so much of, of practice, you know, of, 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 of daily practice, you know, doing things, um, that sometimes we don't feel like doing. Sometimes we, we're not sure if they're really working, but we do them anyway because we committed to it, because we trust that there's something in that process that will benefit us or that might them. And also because you never know. I mean, you do something, you do something, you do something, and you may be thinking you're even doing it mindlessly or automatically, and then boom, something shifts. And the thing is like, you've never been there before. Right, as I've mentioned, you know, that first bite of cantaloupe I had doing it during Sashin one time doing Oriyoki and realizing I have never tasted cantaloupe before. I've never tasted most of the food that I've eaten over the years. And it was that moment of Oriyoki, of, of being fully there and this 
juicy sweetness just exploding in my mouth, but I was actually there for it. I was open and I was ready. Anybody else who hasn't spoken? Yes, Sarah. Um, I just wanted to share, thank you everybody, but specifically to Liz and Nina. Um, I'm a high school teacher. So for your sons, I mean, I've been teaching in New York City for 10 years and class of 2020 and this class 21, but really class of 2020 to have their transition year from, well, first to have senior year of high school disrupted as it was, and then the transition year to be so challenging. I mean, my heart goes to you and your children. Um, and thinking about like how COVID has been, I don't, I personally, I don't have enough distance from it yet to really like be able to, I think, answer that question for myself. <laughs> so hopefully once this summer kicks in and get a little bit of like time to catch my breath, <laughs> have more eloquent thoughts on it. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Okay. For more talks, to get more information about Zvise's upcoming teachings, or to join her email list, please visit vanessasvisegoddard.org.